This is Bariatric Life Podcast, where we share stories about weight loss surgery. We are not doctors, nor have we ever played one on TV. Please contact your doctor for medical advice. Now on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Bariatric Life Podcast. This is Amanda. And this is Chris. And today we're going to talk about the myths about weight loss surgery. Myths. And there are lots and lots of myths. And so, those that don't know, we're going to define myth as something that's generally accepted as true because your brother's uncle's cousin had a friend that said it. And it is bullshit. <laughs> I didn't know that we had to define myth. Well, I just... But sure. So, the first one I want to cover is the one that a lot of people hear. I haven't personally been told this, but... It is the easy way out. Yes, because the last five, six months for you have just been an easy breeze. It has been. <laughs> no no issues, no struggles. It's just you went in, you had it done, and poof, poof magic. No, I'm 65 pounds less. It is not the easy way out, as anyone that has had weight loss surgery knows. There is constant protein thoughts, constant gauging of how much to eat and when and how fast or how slow. Types of foods. Types of foods. There's the mental aspect of it of I can't eat like I used to, which is very mentally taxing. And I think that something that goes along with this is if you're known to have had weight loss surgery and then somebody sees you eating something sweet or indulgent can you have that hmm? can you have that um i mean you took the easy way out so no yeah i've been asked can you eat insert food here quite a bit can you eat this and part of that is probably ignorance like the only, and I I fall into that because the only thing I knew about weight loss surgery was about the lap band and how our friend couldn't eat rice. Right. And that was the extent of my weight loss surgery knowledge prior to you looking into it and us discussing this. And as we've gone through, I've learned a lot more. Yeah. And... A lot of these myths, I have to admit, I didn't necessarily believe, but just accepted at face value. Yeah. Except for easy way out. I never thought it was an easy way out. And one, another one that goes along with the easy way out is the surgery is always risky, which every surgery has a risk to right. it. And anesthesia has a risk to it. But the surgeries themselves are really, I mean, they're done laparoscopically, so they're, you know, not as invasive as a heart transplant. Right. <laughs> or something along that lines. But, I mean, they just make a couple of incisions, snip, 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 and pull the stomach out, and you're done. In an hour, an hour. I, I think probably the anesthesia. 
I don't know this for a fact, but I think the anesthesia is probably more risky than the actual surgery itself. And a lot of times, I think that's true. Yeah. You know, it, there's more risk with going to sleep than there is with whatever particular procedure is being done. What also goes along with the easy way out is it's an unnatural way to lose weight. I don't know what makes it unnatural. Well, I think it's because you had a surgical procedure and anything surgical is unnatural. It's not your body naturally doing it without a foreign object or process being introduced. But I don't think that it's unnatural because it's not like they go in and they're removing fat deposits. It's not liposuction. So you think liposuction is unnatural? I think it has a, it fits that definition more, yeah. Interesting. Why? I don't find that, that, I don't find any of it to be unnatural. I mean, I guess the question is define natural versus unnatural. I was going to say, what, what is natural versus unnatural? Yeah. It, you know, is it, is natural supposed to be synonymous with time consuming or duration? Or is it you just control diet and exercise like that's which obviously if if that had worked for any of us then we wouldn't have needed the surgery right i mean you can argue the same thing about my back my my back is an unnatural procedure so what like i just don't get the screws and oh you got screwed just kidding (laughs) four of them (laughs) long ass things what else are some myths associated with weight loss surgery? Well, the, the the results are instantaneous. They're immediate. You wake up and you're 150 pounds lighter. Surprise! I mean, you are, you do see faster results mm-hmm. than other ways of trying to lose weight. But, you know, a, a good portion of that is that you're, Basically, oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Where you don't have enough nutrition. What's the word? Malnourished? Yeah. Like, in a lot of cases, we are losing weight so rapidly because we're eating so much less than mm-hmm. than we used to. Which, if we could just do that without the surgery, that'd be great. But we need that tool to right. help. Tool. That is a good way to describe it. It's not a fix-all. It's not a magic thing that just miraculously makes you lose weight. It's a tool. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. And if you've had weight loss surgery, you're just lazy. I think anybody listening to this, especially somebody that's had a weight loss procedure done would call bullshit on that. Yeah. It's been my experience that weight loss surgery is usually the, I've tried everything else. I'm going to try this. And you can't be lazy after lazy in your actions after weight loss surgery. Like you have to be very specific on your dietary needs and what's important and it's not mentally lazy Mm -hmm. i mean 
shit, you you have worked out slash walked more post surgery than we did the first ten years of our marriage together. <laughs> so That's true. It is it's not lazy at all. I was physically lazy before the surgery and not physically lazy now. Right. But like again, there's the mental laziness. Like it I feel like it was mentally lazy of me to just eat whatever I wanted whenever I wanted and gain a billion pounds. And it is not mentally lazy of me to constantly be checking my protein status, my fluid status, my exercise status. Um, There's a lot of mental stuff that I feel like is not mentally lazy that happens after surgery. No, if anything, it's gone up. Yeah. Like, like in a previous podcast, we talked about our, our Weight Watchers days. Like, that was counting points and doing this. And post-surgery, you've been doing that to the nth degree. It's not, oh, I can have seven, eight points for dinner. It's... I need eight grams of protein. I need four grams of this. Yeah. For my meal, what can I eat? Another myth is you will magically be happy after weight loss surgery. That is nowhere near true. So what I keep finding, and I'm sure a lot of people relate to this, but I keep finding that when I... I think, oh, I'll be happier with myself when I'm in the next weight decade. Like, I got into the 100s. I'll be so happy with myself when I'm in the 100s. And then I got into the 100s. And now I'm currently in a spot where I'm like, I'll be happier when I'm in the 170s. I'll be happier when I'm met that next milestone 10 pound loss I'll be happier when blah 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 blah. and that's just not the case I mean I do feel so much better about myself and I am generally happier with everything not just you know weight related but it isn't a magic cure-all for depression or right self-confidence or it's not going to go back and make you not it's not going to magically cure depression or anxiety or self-mental image struggles yeah it is a tool but it is not a magical cure well and along those lines it will magically cure all your medical issues which is not the case now for a lot of people it does improve medical issues like pcos my blood pressure went down Mm -hmm. which is amazing sleep apnea yes it improves sleep apnea but then there have been people that still have sleep apnea maybe it has improved but it isn't gone. gone and i feel like my mental health has improved in a way but also, I'm on a new medication, too. So maybe it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say your sleep has improved. You have... You're sleeping better at night. You're not waking up like you used to. 
your snoring is not to the point where, you know, previously you, you would wake yourself up sometimes snoring. And at least post-surgery, I haven't seen that. No, my sleep has improved quite a bit. And so is the sleep quality. Yeah. But, again, it didn't magically fix any snoring issues. It has helped make them better for you. I'm not complaining. I snore ten times as loud as you. But I do still snore. You do. Oh, that's sad. It's way quieter than it used to be. Really? And and not as long. Like you'll you'll snore, it's quieter, but you'll only snore for like five or ten minutes and then you'll stop. Huh. Interesting. Which the first couple of times it happened, it freaked me out because I thought you weren't breathing. <laughs> and I would poke you and you would get mad at me for waking you up. Hmm. So, one of my favorite myths is the you can never blank again. Fill in with a myriad of items. You can never have straws again. You can never have caffeine or carbonation again. You can never drink alcohol again. You can never enjoy food again. You can never is a catch-all BS justification. So I was terrified of straws, and to my knowledge, my doctor doesn't have any straw restrictions, and it seems like one doctor does, one doctor doesn't, like there's no real... Maybe the doctors that don't are in big straws pocket. Big straws pockets, maybe. And so the first time I used a straw, I thought, oh my god, I might, you know explode my stomach or something like I didn't know what was going to happen you were really worried about it I was freaked out about straws because you just hear you can never use a straw again man nothing happened to me not a thing I can use straws whenever I want most of the time I don't but you never did to begin with yeah but I wasn't I mean if we're like if I have a smoothie or a drink from Starbucks or from Sonic or something, then I, I use a straw then. Mm -hmm. But most of the stuff that I'm drinking on average doesn't require a straw. I don't drink my coffee with a straw. Right. That would be, be weird. That would be very weird. I would judge you for that. I would judge myself. So the straws was never an issue for me. Caffeine and carbonation... Carbonation sometimes is an issue for me if I drink it too fast. Mm -hmm. And I think some of these kind of re require like an asterisk in that specifically thinking like the, the no carbonation. Like you said, it doesn't really affect unless you drink too fast yeah. or potentially too much because it there is some science to that particular myth with carbonation and it expanding in the stomach. But like you said, if you don't drink it quickly and you don't drink a whole lot of it. Yeah. You know, like the old myth of soda and pop rocks, which is bullshit. <laughs> It'll kill you. It'll kill you. Your stomach will explode. So I will say that as far as carbonation goes, I drink far less of it than I used to. I used to drink Diet Dr. Pepper, like, it was going out of style. Mm -hmm. And I would have three or four of them a day. And now I will have 
one of those miniature Cokes, the seven and a half ounce ones, like maybe, maybe one a week now. I've I've started drinking them more. A little frequently. more here lately, but a lot of your soda has been replaced with protein drinks, water, yeah, stuff that you know. I need to consume this before I consume this soda because I need the nutritional values from this other drink. Yeah. And then with caffeine, there's no way I could live my life without caffeine. Mm -hmm. So that was never like during the clear liquids phase. I don't think I was supposed to have coffee at all. Maybe I could have coffee, but it was black coffee. Yeah. Decaf black coffee. But I was like, fuck that. I'm having some calf with my coffee. Yeah, because, I mean, it's caffeine or prison. Prison, Your, your yeah. choice. Those are my options, caffeine or prison. And, and I'm so glad you went with caffeine. I choose caffeine. What other kind of myths are there? Well, going back to the there's a grain of truth in it is insurance won't cover it. So there's a lot of insurance companies that don't cover it. And it, I think it's usually like a special thing that has to be on your insurance. Mm-hmm. Mine didn't cover it because I had crap insurance. Right. But a lot of insurance companies do cover it. And they should because you're going to improve other areas mm-hmm. of your health and... So in the long run, it's a better financial decision for the insurance company to cover it. Right. Than to pay for your high blood pressure meds, your diabetes meds, your sleep apnea gear. Right. In the long run, it's cheaper for them to, I would think. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, if you look at if somebody is on an insurance plan for 10 years, let's just say you spend 10 years at an employer on the same insurance provider, then if they're paying for diabetes medication, high blood pressure, sleep apnea, and high cholesterol, yeah, a, a number of other things, they're probably shelling out thousands of dollars a year. So let's just do simple round numbers. Let's say they spend 10 grand a year and you're with them for 10 years. They've just spent 100 grand on medications alone. Yeah. Versus one surgery, 25,000 in America. Right. And then they're done. Yep. Well, not necessarily well, done, yeah. but it greatly reduced their costs. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but it, you know, in, in some cases, it is a medical, I'm trying not to use the word necessity, but like there, there are some cases where if we don't do this procedure, and use it as a tool, your life expectancy is going to drop drastically. There's a chick on a podcast that I listen to that has, I hope I'm not getting the details wrong, so I apologize if I am, but she will need a heart transplant. But in order to safely have the transplant she needed to lose a bunch of weight so she had surgery to lose weight in order to get the heart transplant so there was a medical need there Mm -hmm. in order to satisfy this other medical need right 
So going along with the insurance aspect of it, you have to have a super high BMI to get weight loss surgery. And that's not true. You can have a lower BMI, but have a corresponding medical issue that goes along with it, such as diabetes or sleep apnea. You don't have to have the crazy high 600 pound TV show kind of mm. BMI in order to get the surgery. And in fact, some of those people, like 600 pound ones, they they don't want to do surgery on somebody that heavy because of right. the risks involved. And again, going back to anesthesia, that is always the biggest risk. Well, let me rephrase that before <laughs> before somebody fact checks me. That is always a high concern for any surgery is the anesthesia. Yeah. Another myth is that you have to have plastic surgery oh, once you that's lose your what weight. I wanted to say. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. But I was going to call out um, wannabe runner who had said he's lost a ton of weight and has not gotten plastic surgery and has no intention of getting plastic surgery. Well, and it's not so much like some people have different skin and mm -hmm. maybe their skin bounces back and they don't have all the loose skin that somebody else of the exact same weight mm. and weight loss may have had. Like, I have no loose skin thus far at 65 pounds, although with today's weight loss, it's closer to... We're getting closer to 70 pounds, but Word? I don't have loose skin. And I think that's just because of the kind of skin that I have. Mm -hmm. Now, I can't remember if we talked about this before. I know that we talked about it between the two of us, but I am more and more thinking about if this apron tummy situation doesn't go away, then... I might get some plastic surgery myself. But it's a choice, not like a medical necessity. Right. Which I think is a lot of what that myth says is, oh, well, after this, you have to go get this plastic surgery because of insert whatever BS reason here. Yeah. Another one is pouch resets. Do you even know what a pouch reset is? I do not. I was going to ask. Myths about weight loss surgery, the pouch reset. I don't really understand it myself, but what it is, it's people think that they can quote unquote reset the pouch to be like how it was the first month or so after surgery in that, in that first few weeks, there's a lot of swelling. You could barely get anything down. And so your food consumption is minimal mm -hmm. because you just had major surgery and you can barely get anything down. And so the idea is that you can reset the pouch back to that, you know, first couple of week. Swelling. Yeah, I guess. Or, or, um capacity mm -hmm. even but that's just not the way it works the stomach does stretch a little it does stop being swollen and you can take in more food than you could before mm -hmm. 
And people will also, like, go back to, like, pre-op diet or, like, the first week or two kind of diet of all liquids or clear liquids. and. Okay, so it's saying, so the myth is that if you go back to a state pre-surgery or immediately post from a consumption standpoint that it will cause the expansion to suddenly reverse to shrink and to um gain more weight loss because you're taking in so few okay i got you i'm with you now yeah that's a thing that people say and do and i don't really understand it because Honestly, I don't want to go back to the pre-op diet or you the not, immediately after surgery diet. Like, yeah, you were not happy. No. At all. <laughs> uh, and then there's also dumping. The myth about weight loss surgery, you will always have dumping after eating sweets. Now, I don't know if I had a mild case of dumping after the strawberry shortcake on July 4th, or if it was just I ate it too fast, Mm -hmm. too much. I don't think I have truly experienced dumping myself. And so, like, that's the thing, too. Like, people say everybody has dumping syndrome. Well, not everybody does. And you can eat sweets in moderation, Moderation is the key word. Moderation. And you don't necessarily experience dumping. The last one is my favorite. And this one is a possibility. It's not necessarily a myth. Yeah, it goes back to that grain of truth. You'll gain all your weight back, which you definitely can do. If you revert to previous eating habits and routines you can stretch the stomach back to not necessarily its original size but a size larger than what was intended Mm -hmm. and then fill it and you can reverse some of the hard work and effort that you've put in so i have seen a bunch of people that they will lose They'll get down to a super low weight and we'll just, we'll pretend for my sake that it's 145. That's my goal. And they get down to that weight, their goal weight, which is usually for most people a pretty small Mm -hmm. weight. And then they gain back some pounds. Almost everybody gains back 15 to 20 pounds. And that's, Probably where they should have been all along. Right. That's, you know, most likely the good spot. Right. For their body, for their activity level. And I think that's something, that's a a really good point to call out, I think. That every person's body, every person's activity level is going to be different. And you may hit that goal weight that you have and you may gain some weight back that is your body rebalancing and putting you where your sweet spot is what is naturally healthy for you based on your 
food consumption, types of food, and your activity levels. So if you take somebody like me that lives a highly sedentary lifestyle and I decide I'm going to lose 150 pounds, I'm going to go down to, you know, 100 pounds. That is not a healthy weight for my lifestyle. And if I get there, I won't stay there long. I think that was a really um, extreme example. <laughs> it was. And as I was saying it, I was kind of <laughs> floundering. And so. And like, I don't really know where my sweet spot is because I was a small person in high school. And before I got pregnant, like when I got pregnant, I weighed 115. That's little. Mm-hmm. I was little bitty. And in high school, I was between 105 to 110. So I don't necessarily want to get back to that plate. I could wear children's clothes at that size, by the way. That's not good. No. And I mean, I'm not like terribly tall, but I'm not also like miniature sized either. What is this face here? Go say little person. Oh. <laughs> now you have to edit all that out. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, you know, a little bit shorter than the average woman. But my point being, 115 is still really, really small. I know that when I was at 145, when we were together, and it was, I got to that weight at one of our most stressful times in our marriage. Not because of our marriage, it was just outside stuff that I was 145 during this time. Because we were going through a because lot of we external had, bullshit. Yes. Or I, didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want people to think there was something wrong with my marriage. But anyway, um, 145 was very small. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know what my sweet spot is. I have the goal of 145 because one, that's a hundred, a little more than a hundred pound loss. It'd mm-hmm. be a hundred and two pound loss. And I also know that the pictures of me feel like I look pretty good at 145, <laughs> but I don't really know where my good spot is, and maybe that is 160, and mm-hmm. if that's the case, then I'm, you know, not too far away from that. Yeah. I don't want it to be 160. I want it to be 145. Well, I mean, it's, you'll go low, and then you'll come back up a little bit, and then, like we discussed with, and I can't remember who it was, but... um we kind of stay in this little probably 20-pound zone of going up and down, which is your body's sweet spot. And when, if and when that happens, I think it's important to remember that's normal. Oh, I think it's going to be a mindfuck for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. And that's part of the reason I'm saying it now. <laughs> you might have to say it a hundred more times. I'm sure I will. Yeah, that will definitely be a mindfuck. But then I also think, like, I'm still only five months in. Mm -hmm. So surely there's still another 20-plus pounds I can lose, at least. Hopefully another 45. Well, I think with the exercise that we've been doing together and that you've been doing on your own, that it is going to just help keep that path going. Yeah. The... 
issue may be with the consistency. What do you mean? You hit 145. Yes, I didn't. But to stay there, you have to keep that same level of energy, that same level of consistent workout and activity and dedication to tracking. The other day, I was thinking to myself, I am so tired of tracking. But that's really what keeps me... On target. Yeah. On the right path. Or I guess, yeah, path. Thank you. Target's a bad word. But no, target is a good word because, I mean, a target is essentially the same thing as a goal. So meet the protein goal, meet the fluid goal. Okay. I have a target amount of protein I want to eat each day. Mm -hmm. Or not necessarily eat, but... Consume. Yeah. And I need to get better about my fluids. I've been kind of slacking on the fluids lately. Sometimes it's just so hard to balance it all. Mm -hmm. Because I really, I can drink right before I eat, but I can't drink right after I eat. Mm. Because it makes me a little sick to my stomach. So to balance all these fluids, plus I can't drink it after I eat, but I need all this protein. And I need to not be sick to my stomach. It's a lot. Definitely well, not the lazy way out. I thought this was the lazy way out. Hold on. Because that doesn't sound lazy at all. That sounds like a lot of work. And coming from someone that's lazy, I can identify lazy. <laughs> this is not lazy. It is a lot of work. And you know what else is kind of a mind fuck is that I recently discovered that I may have slash have had binge eating disorder and to go from constantly thinking about what I'm going to eat next, when I'm going to eat next, what it's going to be, how uh, much it's going to be, I'm going to have a snack and what's my bedtime snack going to be and oh, what are we having for dinner to still having to constantly think about what's my next source of protein, mm. what's, what's a good snack to have that's on the healthier side and if i have a snack too late in relation to dinner like that's something that i've been struggling with because like what was it we were a few nights ago i had had a really late snack at work because i was hungry i legit was hungry i wasn't mm -hmm. just feeling snacky I was legit hungry, needed protein, had a snack, but it was way too close to dinner time. And so dinner rolls around and I'm not hungry for dinner. So it's just constantly trying to balance when I'm having these situations mm -hmm. and then adding fluids into the, the mix. It's a lot to consume in a limited space in a limited time. Yeah. And juggling it, prioritizing it, and doing it at a pace that does not make you feel sick because you're over capacity, but not at a pace that you are going to miss the mark mm -hmm. because you went too slow. Uh, it takes a lot of mental energy, planning, and can be exhausting. It is. It's all day long thinking about well, like we slept in today mm -hmm. and I have to have, you know, adequate amounts of coffee as previously discussed. Right. 
to and, avoid the previously discussed prison. Yes, the aforementioned prison. And then I'm looking at the time, and I'm like, well, shit, it's whatever time it was. I haven't had any protein today. I've only had coffee, which I do count coffee as my fluids, and I probably shouldn't, but I do anyway, because it's fluids. <laughs> it's made out of water. <laughs> I think really it only counts as like a portion of your water, but I count the full thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I should probably actually drink more fluids than I really do. But I digress. But yeah, I was like, oh shit, I haven't had any protein today. Let me get that in real quick. Oh, well, I count my protein shakes as fluids, but I'm still like way behind the curve on my fluid intake, my protein at Almost two o'clock as barely anything. Now hold on. I thought this was supposed to be the the easy way out. <laughs> this all this tracking does not sound easy. It does not. It does not. I, I think the main thing for anyone considering surgery or already having had it done and maybe going through some buyer's remorse or you know, full-on regret, is to remember that it is a tool. It's not an end-all, be-all solution. There's still tracking. There's still exercise. There's still diet involved, but it's a tool. You can go from California to New York, and you can walk, and it's going to fucking suck, or you can drive a car or ride a bike both of which are tools to get you from point A to point B. Oh, I get where you're going with that. I was like, what in the world <laughs> is he talking about? <laughs> there was a point to this one, I promise. You got it. Got to it eventually. But it, they're, they're tools to help you from point A to point B. Yeah. And again, if you're biking, that may suck at certain points. But it's a tool. It's not the only tool. There are other ways to help yourself on your path. On your path. -dum -dum -dum. I don't know why I suddenly started singing. That's just what you do. That's what I do. All right. We don't know. That's all, folks. That is all, folks. And we don't know what we're talking about next time, folks. So it'll be a surprise to you and to us. Who knows? Might even be something funny. Maybe not. I think we're a riot. I think we're a delight. <laughs> People should love us. <laughs> we do a behind the scenes and we let them know what it's actually like to be in the hot ass office recording, parenting, playing with dogs, trying not to kill the neighbor's rooster. I feel like that would be a short episode. Might be. May not. Who knows? See you next time. Have fun. See you. Bye. See you. Bye. This is just a reminder that neither Amanda nor Chris are doctors and you should always talk to your doctor before making any changes. This is our journey and our opinions. You can always find us on Instagram at Bariatric Life Podcast and help support us by clicking subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We hope to have new episodes every Sunday.